Well, good morning, New Hope. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning, New Hope. I got to do this uh, lighthearted tension of the day. You can help me out a bit, okay? Before we get into the, the, the lighthearted tension of the day, just want to play a little game with you, okay? Two truths and a lie. So I'm going to say three things you got to guess which is the lie. First of all, I pastored a Hall of Famer. I touched a president of the United States. I saw a shark fin while surfing. Okay, show of hands, how many believe the lie is I pastored a Hall of Famer? Okay, we got one there, two, okay. A couple there. Um, I touched the President of the United States. A few doubters there. Okay, I saw a shark fin while surfing. The last is actually the lie. It was a dolphin fin <laughs> three feet from my surfboard, and my wetsuit just got a lot warmer, so... Okay, so I got a little liberty on the first one. Tony Oliva is a Twins Hall of Famer. I believe he should be an MLB Hall of Famer. He led the, the league uh, leading batting average three times in a short career, uh, a lifetime batting average over 300. And I knew Tony and Gordette Oliva at Park Avenue Methodist, South Minneapolis. Awesome. Awesome man, a wonderful couple. He'd always give me a signed baseball or bat when we had our hockey ministry uh, silent auction. And I did touch a former U.S. president, Jimmy Carter. He was speaking at Colonial Church of Edina, and I knew where he'd probably walk out. So I was standing by those doors, and as he walked by, I pat him on the shoulder and said, Thank you, President Carter, and his bodyguard swooped my hand away. <laughs> Jimmy Carter was our 39th president of the United States, and he's always been known for his outspoken faith, uh, his, his love for humanity, very invested in Habitat for Humanity, and still, I believe to this day, still teaches a Sunday school class in his church in Plains, Georgia. Jimmy Carter's a Democrat, and while I personally don't believe in everything that he stands for, or everything that he believes, I am honored by him as a man of God who has served our country. And so as we lean into the tension of today, uh, our political approach versus a biblical approach, it's important to remember this. Jesus was not a Republican or a Democrat. Do you feel the tension in the room? One of the most respected pastors and authors in the evangelical faith today is Timothy Keller out of Redeemer Church in, in New York City. And he has made the, the point that the historical Christian positions on controversial social issues don't really fit with America's two-party political system. A couple of years ago in the New York Times, he said this. For example, following both the Bible and the early church, Christians should be committed to racial justice and the poor but also to the understanding that sex is only for marriage and for nurturing family. One of those views seems liberal, and the other looks oppressively conservative. The historical Christian positions on social issues do not fit into contemporary political alignments. And he argues that, that we should, and when we can be involved in politics, we should not identify the Christian church or the faith with a political party as the only Christian one. Because Jesus wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. Our big idea today 
politics is secondary to the supreme kingdom rule of God in our lives. Can I get an amen? At least one today. Thank you, church. Follow along as I read about this kingdom in Mark 4. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Jesus is preaching and ushering in the kingdom of God, the supreme rule and reign of God for our lives. But people didn't get his kingdom. They were expecting him to overthrow the the Roman government, right? They were expecting him to bring the Jewish uh, nation to great prominence and, and political power. But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God God's ways are not like seed faith with his disciples, right? This small seed becomes the largest of plants, of trees. Jesus pours all his time into 12 disciples. He, he pours his hope, he pours the church into 12 disciples and says, go make disciples who will then make disciples and disciples. A mustard seed faith. And this radical upside down faith, this radical upside down kingdom. What does it teach us about the tension of a political approach versus a, a biblical approach? I believe there's three marks of the kingdom that we can just lean into today. And so first of all, the kingdom of God is the primary rule of our life. Last week, Pastor Bill challenged us, are we Americans first or Christians first? And church, if we are followers of Christ, then we need to be Christians first. And everything else is secondary. God's kingdom has to be primary. I think one of the most profound declarations of the king of kings, of the God of heaven, comes from King Nebuchadnezzar. After he was humbled in his pride and returned to look to heaven, to look to God. And just as... Daniel had prophesied and in interpreting his dream that he would, he would go uh, be with the wild animals for seven years. After that time is done, he humbles himself. He looks to heaven and he says this. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? God is the king of heaven and earth. And he sets up rulers and he takes down rulers and he can take a pagan king like Nebuchadnezzar to give him glory. I loved Wendy's uh, kids moment uh, illustration last week and she hold up a, a clear ruler and said we always got to look to heaven we always got to look to Jesus whatever rules we are following whatever whatever political party we have we have to look through that clear ruler and look to the king of heaven the kingdom of God has to be our primary rule of life in Mark 7, verses 6 through 8, Jesus strongly condemns the rulers of the day for letting go of the commands of God while holding to the traditions of man. 
Let us never let go of the commands of God. Let, let us never let go of the word of God while we hold let us hold the traditions of men or the, the political leanings loosely. Matt Chandler preaches a great message about the, the primacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has satisfied the justice and the love of God by dying on the cross for us. This is what is primary. This is the kingdom of God. And everything else is secondary. He says, when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter if we were Presbyterians or Baptists, even though Baptists think they're the only ones going to heaven. It's not going to matter if we were Republican or Democrat, that we called on the name of Jesus and we stand before the King of heaven. That is primary. Everything else is secondary. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? We pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And later on in the same chapter of Matthew 6, in verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. If we daily seek after the kingdom of God, if we daily pray and lean into the kingdom of God, his word, his grace, his truth, his spirit will lead us. And we will be marked with supernatural grace. We will be marked and led by truth. And I believe one of the greatest fruits of, of seeking God's kingdom first is to walk in a trust and to walk in a peace that passes all understanding. Whoever trusts in the high king of heaven is blessed with a deep rest of the soul. As it says in Psalm 91, 1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If we are truly seeking his kingdom first, we can rest in his sovereignty. And we don't have to get overly worried and overly anxious and, and bitter about people on the other side of the political aisle. Can I get an amen? How do you want to be remembered, church? How do you want to be remembered in walking through these days? Do you want to be remembered as someone really getting upset with the opposing political party? Or do you want to be remembered for your joy and carrying the perfect peace of the Prince of Peace? If we are seeking first the kingdom of God, then we can properly handle the tough tensions of our day, including the, the divisive and, and bitter political climate. If we're walking in the kingdom of God as our primary rule of life, we can learn to empathize with others. We can carry a spirit of curiosity rather than criticalness. Tell me, why, why do you think that way? I can empathize. That is so missing this day. And empathy is of the Spirit of God. If we're looking to the King of Heaven, we can at least empathize, at least talk with people. We don't have to defend things. We, God is our defense. And we can walk in conviction. We can walk in the way that he leads us. We can walk in that wisdom that he gives us. I empathize with those who grieve the loss of moral ground, the, the spiritual covering that we have known 
as a Christian nation. I found it interesting talking to several of our missionaries and seeing a, a common thread in, in pagan cultures and in, in Asian ancestral worship in the Latino Day of the Dead and some of the Native American spirituality. There's a common thread of this spiritual darkness, this heaviness that comes over. And so I grieve when we lose some of that, that moral ground. I grieve that. But I also grieve with Christian brothers and sisters who have not benefited from the system as I have. I empathize with, with minorities, with the poor, with the foreigner who for, cry out for justice and for mercy and the biblical mandate to care for the poor, the widow, the fatherless, and the foreigner. And that cry from God is just as important as a moral call for righteousness. And so the kingdom of God is the primary rule of life. Secondly, the kingdom, the song uh, Wendy and the team were singing, For God So Loved the World, that comes from that famous chapter of John 3, right? John 3, 16. Well, in that chapter, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God to Nicodemus. And he says to, to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again or born from above. And he's explaining this this born again in the Spirit of God. And in verse 8, he says, explaining the Spirit, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How do we evidence being born of the Spirit if we walk in the fruits of the Spirit? In love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A couple weeks ago, my wife Erin and, and daughter Gabby and a friend of hers went to St. Paul. A friend of mine has hosted these Christian concerts in her large St. Paul home the last few years. And so with COVID, she did it on her front porch. And people got to socially distance and spread out on the, on the city block. And one of the warm-up uh, acts was a, a guy from Nigeria just uh, singing uh, with just passion, some simple worship songs. It was, it was beautiful, and it, as the, the, main, um, the main worship leader got up at the end, she, she noticed and she said, did you notice when he was leading worship, a breeze came out out of nowhere. It was a very still night, and the trees began to worship God. I was struck that this happened, this worship of God just unashamedly on the St. Paul city block was just blocks away from the riots earlier this summer and how honored God was by worshiping him unashamedly. It was a great night, but the best thing for me was on our way home, Gabby told us that she sensed that same thing about the breeze and the trees worshiping Jesus. Church, that's the Spirit of God blowing where it will and confirming a word. That's how the kingdom of God is perceived, by the Holy Spirit. And we can walk in that Spirit. We don't have to get tied up in the bitter emotions of this world. We can walk in the Spirit of God.
just this uh, past Tuesday in our, our morning prayer force meeting, we were praying around the theme of cleaning house, about uh, just letting God take all the filth away, just being cleansed by, by his word, by his spirit. And I brought up an old devotional that one of my seminary professors, the beloved uh, pastor Robert Munger, he wrote the little devotional called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it's an allegorical account of just letting Jesus come in with a new believer and just being welcomed into every room of the house, right? The, the rec room and how we recreate and the study and how we engage in our mind with God and, and all the different rooms and even the closet that the, the believer doesn't want Jesus to see because of the past sin hid away in that part of their heart. And Jesus says, I, I want it all. And as we were praying, I was given an image of a political room. And sorry, I can't tell you if it was Republican or Democrat. I didn't see that. But the invitation was that Jesus wants to be in that part of our heart too. Jesus is okay at leading, isn't he? Jesus is okay at leading and, and cleansing every part of our life. Will you let Jesus into the political room of your heart? And let him lead. Politics is always secondary to the supreme kingdom rule of God in our lives. And so the kingdom of God is the primary rule of life. The kingdom of God is perceived by the spirit. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is powered by humility. I've been so blessed of late in... in just watching with new eyes the, the transformation of the apostles from when they walked with Jesus to when they were filled with the Spirit. When they walked with Jesus, they are always fighting about who's the greatest. They were trying to argue about who could sit at the right hand of Jesus in heaven. And so on and so on, operating out of the flesh. But when they waited on the Spirit, things changed. And they no longer walked out of that pride. They never walked, they didn't walk out of, sure, they're human, right? But they didn't walk out of that, that spirit of pride and self. They walked out of a great spirit of humility and unity. When the apostle Philip goes to Samaria, there's amazing miracles that happen and people come to Jesus and the church decides to send Peter and John as well. And Peter and John come and they lay hands on the new converts and they receive the Holy Spirit. And what strikes me is that Philip isn't prideful. I, you know, I could picture myself going, hey, this is my church. This is my gospel ministry. Why don't you homies... <laughs> Peter and John go somewhere else. No, with humility, he welcomes them in. And what happens next? Because he walks in humility, the Spirit of God comes upon Philip and he goes to meet the Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot reading the Word of God. And because of his humility, Philip is the disciple who opens the gospel to the continent of Africa. The kingdom of God is powered by humility. In James 1.21 we read, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Church, we need to put away all wickedness. 
We need to be cleansed by the word of God, which can save our souls, which can make us more like Jesus and less like ourselves. And we receive with meekness. You know what meekness is? It's power under control. It's humility. And James not only says this, he lives it out. James, in the book of James, is the brother of Jesus. But he was never in the top three. He was not with Peter and, and the brothers James and John. And yet, yet he walked out this humility. And he says, receive with meekness the word of God, which can cleanse you. Church, we need to be cleansed of pride, of arrogance, of political discord, of mean-spirited joking. We need a fresh breeze of the Holy Spirit to give us humility and unity and unconditional love. Rather than bitterly, bitterly fighting for political power or egotistical pride, the kingdom of God is powered by humility. Our world is desperate to see followers of Jesus who live with this kind of humility, this unity in the spirit-filled kingdom that looks confidently to the king of heaven. How do we live in the tension of political power over biblical power? We daily live and grow and submit to the kingdom of God. We accept the tension that no one political party endorses all of the kingdom of God. We recognize and receive the spirit of God by resting under the wing shadow of the Almighty. We allow the spirit of God to, to power his kingdom life through humility. And then we live out our faith and we vote our conscience, but we remain empathetic and we remain humble and we remain spirit-filled. Politics is always secondary to the supreme kingdom rule of God in our lives. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just bow before you, God. May it not be with us like it was Nebuchadnezzar who needed to be humbled in a mighty way. May we humble ourselves. May we look to you, God. May we run to the Father. Because you're the high king of heaven. And by your grace, you have saved us. Lord, pour out your empathy. Pour out, pour out a trust and a rest in you that you're sovereign. Pour out a spirit-filled, unconditional love. And Father, guide us in wisdom. Guide us in confidence. Show yourself, Holy Spirit. Show yourself. Breathe your breath again on your church. On everyone here today. And we'll all say, Amen.